0: Tonight, then, a slight change to what we've been going through, and that is because every now and again, it is suitable and appropriate to give ourselves a reminder. And the last time we did this was probably after Ramadan a few months ago and now after the Birmingham conference and most people were there and they attended. It's an opportunity which is suitable, a time that is suitable to renew the efforts and to remind ourselves regarding the importance of these efforts and what it is we are doing in our studies here studies in Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari. So what I intended to do today as a small break in the series of the Kitab al-Tawheed classes is a small lecture that was originally delivered by Sheikh Bin Baz, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and within this lecture, he mentioned many benefits and many reminders that would be suitable for us to increase our efforts, to maintain our efforts, and to remind ourselves the purposes of our efforts. So, we'll have a look at this lecture the Sheikh delivered, and we'll translate sections of it. The shaykh began by saying, اَيُّهَا الْإِخْوَةِ اللَّهِ اِنَّ اللَّهَ جَلَّ وعلا خَلَقَ الْخَلْقَ لِيَعْبُدُوهِ وَأَرْسَلَ الرسل وَأَنْزَلَ الْكُتُوبَ لِهَذِهِ الْحِكْمَةِ الْعَظِيمَةِ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the creation In order for them to worship him. Created this creation. Created us. In order for us to worship him. And he sent the messengers. And revealed the books. For this great wisdom. This great purpose. The purpose of worshipping our Creator, the purpose of worshipping our Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لِدَعْوَةِ النَّاسِ إِلَىٰ عِبَادَةِ الله وبيانها لهما لهما. So Allah sent the messengers and revealed the books in order to call the people to His worship. And to clarify that to them. And to make that apparent and clear to them. Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I did not create the jinn or the humans except for them to worship me. Ma uridu minhum. Uridu That Allah says I do not require from them any sustenance nor that they feed me. In Allah Mateen Allah is a Razak. He is the one who provides that sustenance. He is the one who provides those provisions. He is the one that blesses upon us with all of the different blessings. Just as he mentioned in the Quran, If you try to count the blessings of Allah, you would not be able to enumerate them. Similarly, Allah told us in the quran Ya you had no sir, but you're up back. Um, let the whole people And notice here Allah addresses the people sometimes you see the ayat of the quran where Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ O oh, you who believe. But in this ayah, it says, O oh people, meaning believers and non-believers, the address is to everyone. Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Worship your Lord, The one who created you and created those who came before you so that you may achieve piety. And Allah told us in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ that indeed we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, worship Allah subhanahu wa taala alone, and abstain from the false deities. Similarly, Allah said in the Quran, Alif Lam Ra, "Kitab anzelna hulikal tuxraj alnas min ila بِإِذْنِ رَبِّهِمْ إِلَى صِرَاطِ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَمِيدِ That it is a book we have revealed to you so that you may take the people out of darkness into light by the permission of Allah to the path of Al-Aziz Al-Hamid. Allah sent that guidance, sent the Prophets Sent the books in order that the people be removed from darkness into light, that they be removed from shirk into tawheed. And so these ayat, they are highlighting to us the purpose of our existence. The objective and the reason why we are here, why Allah created us and placed us upon this earth, and that is the objective of worshipping Him. The objective and the purpose is the worship of Allah. That is something a person needs to recollect, to remember every single day. No matter what you are doing, what you are engaged in, your work, traveling here, there, whatever it might be in your lives. Ultimately, in the end, whatever you do, all of it comes back to the objective you are here for. There is only one ultimate objective and that is the worship of your Lord. No matter what you are doing, a person needs to remember ultimately everything you do with your lives, everything you do every day, your work, your earnings, your jobs, whatever it is you go out and do every day, ultimately all of it is there, all of it is being done by you to fulfill ...your objective of worship to Allah. That's why the scholars have mentioned... ...you may be doing something that is from the worldly affairs. However, you may be given the reward for it... ...even though it is an action from the worldly affairs... Why would you be given reward for something that is not per se an act of worship? It is just a worldly affair. Because your intention behind that worldly affair that you're engaged in is that you are engaging in it to ultimately aid you in fulfilling your objective of worshipping Allah. A person has to go out and work, spends hours of his day going out to do his job. A worldly matter, you go and do what you're going to do. But if your intention behind that is that you are working and spending these hours doing this job, earning your salary for the purpose of then being able To use that money in fulfilling the Islamic rights That are upon you Regarding yourself and your family To fulfill the rights upon you regarding your children To fulfill the rights upon you in terms of your wealth The zakat To fulfill the rights In terms of the optional acts of righteousness You can do in worship charity You're working and you're spending all of those hours ultimately recollecting that all of this is being done to aid me and to assist me in my fulfillment of my objective of being here in the first place. Because your objective is not the work, it is not the salary, it is not the money. All of those things are there In order to aid you in your ultimate objective, which is the worship of Allah. All of that can only be achieved, as the Sheikh mentions here next, through knowledge. You are only ever going to be able to fulfill your objective in creation through knowledge. Because if you do not know how to worship Allah, you do not know how to fulfill this objective that you've been created for, then how are you going to fulfill it? You know that Allah has created you with the ultimate objective of worshiping Him. That's why you're here. You know that. But then the question is, how are you then going to fulfill that? How are you then going to fulfill this objective of worshipping Allah? That can only be done through knowledge. Through recognizing what is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. Recognizing what Allah has informed us of in terms of worship. How do we pray? How do we... Worship Allah in the various forms on a daily basis If you do not know that Then you're not going to be able to worship Allah properly If you don't have knowledge Then you have a deficiency in being able to fulfill The exact reason why you're here in the first place And if a person doesn't have the knowledge And therefore cannot fulfill The actual objective of why he's here on this planet in the first place Then certainly you are going to Meet your Lord in a state of great deficiency A state of great deficiency A person who did not fulfill The ultimate reason and objective he was created for The reason why he exists He couldn't fulfill that because he never bothered to go and learn how to fulfill that. He prays, but he prays all of his life wrong. Every prayer that he prays, he's praying it wrong all of his life. Because he never went and learned how to fulfill this worship properly. He fasts every year. But every year he's doing things that are impermissible whilst fasting because he doesn't know that these are impermissible. So then he lives his life having never fulfilled the objective of fasting as it is supposed to be fulfilled. And the same with all of the rest of the acts of worship. A person who deprives himself of knowledge Deprives himself of understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah Then you are depriving yourself From being able to fulfill The very reason why you exist And you're there right now Hence, you realize the importance of knowledge And that's why Ali ibn Abi Talib mentioned every person that does a job every person who does a job has his tools for that job so a person works as an electrician he has The relevant screws and the testers and the wires and the plugs and the sockets. He has all of those things so that he can do his job. Without those things, he can't turn up to a job and do it. Hasn't got the wires, hasn't got the right clippers, hasn't got the right tools, the materials. A person is a builder. If he doesn't have the right equipment to be able to make his cement, to be able to put it on the wall, to be able to put the bricks together, he hasn't got the tools, then how is he going to do his job? A person is a doctor, he hasn't got the thermometers and the various bits and bobs required to check people and diagnose people with, then how is he going to do his job? Ali bin Abi Talib said, every person who does a job, has the relevant tools to be able to do their job, then he said, as for the person just like that, the person who is Muslim, upon the, inverted commas, job of being a Muslim, then he requires the relevant tools to be able to do his job Of being a Muslim and what are those tools those tools are your knowledge knowledge of what is in the Quran knowledge of what is in the Sunnah without that knowledge you cannot fulfill being a Muslim you cannot fulfill your job your role of living as a Muslim without the relevant tools Just like a plumber cannot come and fix the pipes without his relevant tools, an electrician cannot come and do his job without the relevant tools, a Muslim cannot fulfill his Islam without the relevant tools to do so. That is a statement from the Salaf. What are the tools for a Muslim to fulfill Islam? Knowledge. Knowledge of what Allah has told us in the Quran. Knowledge of what we've been taught in the sunnah. Because via that knowledge, you will then know what a Muslim can do and what a Muslim cannot do. What is halal and what is haram. What is sunnah, what is bid'ah, what is tawheed, what is shirk. That tool of knowledge is going to enable you to fulfill your Islam. Without that tool, without that knowledge, then how are you going to fulfill your Islam and being a Muslim? How are you going to fulfill being a Muslim upon Tawheed if you've never learnt the details of Tawheed? How are you going to fulfill your role as being a Muslim? A Muslim in subservience to Allah and you've never learnt what shirk is, to stay away from it so you fall into it. How are you going to fulfill this objective without the tools? And the tools, they are knowledge. For a Muslim, the tools to fulfill Islam is the knowledge to practice Islam with. So Sheikh Bimbaz, he goes on to mention some narrations here. The first of them, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, man salaka tariqan fihi ilma sahalallahu lahu bihi tariqan ila jannah, that whomsoever treads upon a pathway seeking by it knowledge then Allah will make your pathway to paradise easy via that knowledge. Because when a person seeks knowledge, then his pathway to paradise becomes easier. How? Because the more knowledge he has, the more he can worship Allah properly and practice Islam properly. And so the more he's doing that, the easier his path to paradise is becoming. Whereas a person who remains ignorant, jahil, then how is he going to practice more and do more worship? He doesn't know what to do, how to do it. Jahil. So the more a person gains knowledge, the easier his pathway to paradise becomes, the more worship he knows how to do, when to do, what to do, the more he realizes about his sincerity to Allah. That's why the Salaf they used to say as well, that knowledge is such a thing, it is such a thing, that even those people who don't have it, they don't have it. Even those who don't have it, want to pretend and tell everybody that they have it. Nobody wants to be known as an ignorant individual. Nobody wants to be known as a person who knows nothing about Islam, a person who is jahil. Nobody wants to be known as a jahil. So they used to say, even a person who hasn't got knowledge, Wants to pretend and claim that they have got knowledge And then there is the affair of jahil ignorance It is so despised That those who are actually in it They are jahil They're ignorant and they've never bothered Those who are in ignorance want to try and pretend and claim that they are not in ignorance. So knowledge is so beloved and praiseworthy, even those who haven't got it, want to try and claim that they've got it. And ignorance is so dispraiseworthy, that those who are actually in it, want to try and declare their innocence of it. That is the reality of knowledge. Then, the Shaykh goes on to mention, na'am. he mentions some more ayat and some more ahadith in relation to the affair of knowledge. He says, for example, the hadith of the Prophet مَنْ يُرِيدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يفقه في الدين. Whomsoever Allah wants goodness for, then Allah gives him knowledge of the religion. Detailed knowledge. يُفَقِّحْهُ فِي الدين. So consider this. A person whom Allah wants goodness for, then Allah gives them knowledge. And so the scholars, they mentioned, a person who is jahil, ignorant, then it is a sign of no goodness for them. A sign of no goodness for them because the sign of goodness is that you have or you are given knowledge and therefore if you are not it is a sign of a lack of goodness such is the example that Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned about dogs, about dogs that even a dog that has knowledge is higher ranking than a dog that doesn't have knowledge So what about humans? What therefore of humans? If you're talking about dogs, a dog with knowledge islamically is superior to a dog that doesn't have knowledge. Because you know in the sunnah, a hunting dog can only be a dog that is Trained up and knowledgeable and can take orders and knows what it's doing That type of dog can be used as a hunting dog As for a dog that doesn't understand Cannot take orders Doesn't know how to do it A jahil dog Then Islamically that type of dog cannot be used as a hunting dog Ibn al-Qayyim said look at that Islamically, a dog with knowledge is superior to a dog without knowledge. That's dogs. So what therefore of the humans? The humans that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ennobled and given a higher rank and station than the animals. Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentioned. He mentioned a human has been ennobled over and above the animals. Ennobled, honor, dignity, over and above the animals. But if that human does not do anything with his knowledge or learning knowledge and worship, all he does is sleep Eat and reproduce. He sleeps, he wakes up and eats, and he engages in the intimacy of reproduction. That's all he does with his life. Then Ibn Taymiyyah said, That type of person is no better than the cows in the field, that type of person is no better than the cattle. The animals who eat, sleep, and reproduce. That is their lives. Eat, sleep, reproduce. If a human lives like that, eat, sleep, reproduce, and that is their life. Nothing in terms of knowledge, nothing in terms of understanding their religion. Nothing in terms of recognizing why they've been created And how to fulfill that objective Then you are no different to the cattle on the fields You are no different to the animals who eat, sleep and reproduce Allah ennobled the humans Gave them honor and dignity above The level of the animals it is required of a person to use that blessing that allah has given you to seek the knowledge and to strive in learning the quran the speech of allah the quran it is not just a book that quran is what allah said allah said it with a voice that was heard by jibreel that Qur'an, the speech of your Lord, that is not something to be negligent of. The sunnah which came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi the revelation from Allah, the guidance to mankind, the difference on the day of judgment between the people of paradise and the people of hellfire, that criteria of the Qur'an and Sunnah, then is that not something deserving of a person to recognize and to know and to have knowledge of? How can a Muslim be negligent and ignorant of the Qur'an and the Sunnah? A Sheikh al-Fawzan, he said, do not be a Muslim just by name. Don't just be a Muslim by name. That I am Muslim. What are you Muslim? What does it mean? You have no idea. You cannot clarify to a person the meaning of La ilaha illallah. You cannot, as the scholars always give the example, you could not even tell somebody what the different things are that nullify the wudu. You could not clarify to somebody the conditions of the prayer. You could not clarify to somebody the basic rulings of fasting. You don't have any of that basic knowledge. As Sheikh Al-Fawzan said, don't be Muslim just by name. A person who never seeks any knowledge, never makes any effort to learn, but you are Muslim, Muslim by name. Do not be Muslim by name only. Be Muslim in practice. Then the Sheikh, he mentions more evidences. He mentions the, <coughs> the hadith, The best of you <coughs> is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. The best of you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. In another hadith, من دعا إلى هدى كان له من الأجر مثل أجور من تبعه لا ينقص ذلك من أجورهم شيئا ومن دعا إلى ظلاله كان عليه من الإثم مثل آثام من تبعه لا ينقص ذلك من آثامهم شيئا that a person who calls to guidance, calls to goodness, then for him will be the reward and the reward of all of those who follow him upon that guidance. And that will not reduce from their rewards anything. They get their full reward and he gets the reward because they followed him. In the guidance that he taught them. And similarly. Somebody who teaches evil. Then upon you is the sin. And the sin of all of those who follow you in that evil. Without decreasing from their sins. This is an example mentioned in the sunnah. To encourage a person to strive in being. A good example to others. A good example within his family. A good example to his children. Showing them and directing them to the path of goodness. Not to the path of evil. You direct people to the path of evil upon you. The sin and the sin of all of what they do in following you upon that evil too. Similarly after that. The Shaykh mentions another narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one occasion the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to his companions, I ahadukum an ila bathan wadin fil madine. The Prophet said to them, Would any of you love to go to Bathan, a name of a valley in Medina, and come back with two large, well-fed camels? In those days, camels was a luxury item to have. Riches in owning camels. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Would one of you wish to go to Bathan and just like that come back with two large well-fed camels without committing any sin, without cutting off any ties of kinship, meaning not in any haram way, Completely, legitimately, to go to the valley and come back with two large, well-fed camels, just like that. <coughs> would any of you love to do that? <coughs> they said, "Of course, we would love that, O Messenger of Allah." <coughs> so then he said to them, أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَىَ الْمَسْجِدِ." فيعلم أو يقرأ آيتين من كتاب الله خير لهم من ناقتين عظيمتين وثلاث خير من ثلاث وأربع خير من أربع ومن أعدادهن من الإبل. The Prophet صلى said to them in that case. If one of you was to go to the masjid, go early to the masjid and learn or read two ayahs, two ayahs, learn or read two ayahs from the book of Allah, then that would be better for him, greater than the two well-fed camels even. That reward right there, how much you gain right there, going to the mosque, learning two ayahs from the Quran, is a greater amount than the two camels. Now remember like we said, in those days owning camels was a big thing. Riches in having that wealth of camels. And the Prophet tells them, Go to the mosque and learn two ayahs, and that is better than two camels. And go to the mosque and learn three ayahs, better for you than three camels. Learn four, better for you than four. And however many you learn, it is better than the equivalent number of camels. A hundred camels in those days. Riches upon riches. But you come to the masjid and you learn a hundred ayahs of the Qur'an. Superior to that hundred camels worth of riches in those days. Shows you the value of knowledge. Shows you the value of understanding the book of Allah. Understanding the sunnah. So the sheikh says, فَأَنْتَ يَا عَبْدَ اللَّهِ مَخْلُوقٌ الْعِبَادَةِ You've been created for this worship. مَأْمُورٌ بِأَدَائِهَا عَلَى الْوَجْهِ الْمَطْلُوبَ Commanded to perform it upon the correct way. أَلَّذِي شَرَعَهُ اللَّهِ That Allah has legislated. وَلَا Sabila لَكَ إِلَى ذَلِكَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ ثُمَّ التفقه في الدين. And there is no way for you to understand that i.e. what Allah has legislated upon you and how to fulfill your purpose in existence. There is no way for you to know that except firstly by Allah meaning the aid and the assistance of Allah And then by seeking knowledge of your religion, you must seek the knowledge of your religion in order to be able to fulfill your objective in existence. And you remember some of those examples from the biographies we mentioned last time too, biographies that show the great virtue of knowledge And the great station and rank and importance of seeking this knowledge. And how Allah raises the people of knowledge. (coughs) There was the example of Ibn Abi Abza. That man who was left in charge of Mecca. Because at the time when Umar ibn al-Khattab... Rasulullah was the Khalifa. He was in Medina at the time. Umar ibn al-Khattab, Anhu, when he was the Khalifa, he was in Medina. He had appointed Nafi' as his deputy to look after Mecca. So Nafi' was in Mecca. He was the appointed person in charge to look after Mecca. On one occasion, he came to visit the Amir al-Mu'mineen, the Khalifa, Umar ibn al-Khattab. So when he came, Umar ibn al-Khattab asked him, Who did you leave temporarily in charge of Mecca whilst you're here visiting? Who have you left in charge temporarily whilst you're here visiting? Because Nafi' was obviously the one Umar ibn al-Khattab had put in charge of. Makkah, but he was here now visiting Umar ibn Khattab. So Umar ibn Khattab said to him, Who have you left in charge whilst you're here? Nafi' said to him, I've left somebody called Ibn Abi Abza in charge. Umar ibn Khattab said to him, And who is Ibn Abi Abza? Who's that? Nafi' told him, He Used to be one of our slaves. He used to be one of our slaves, but now he's a freedman, Min Mawalina. He used to be one of our slaves, but now he's a freedman. So Umar ibn al-Khattab said to him, "You left a former slave, even though he's a free man now." But a former slave in charge Meaning Would the people of Makkah Really give him Respect and authority Knowing that he used to be One of their slaves before So Nafi' said to him Ibn Abi Abza This man Who I've left in charge Is a man who is knowledgeable Of the book of Allah He is a scholar in the book of Allah and in fara'il, in the laws of inheritance and fiqh, meaning he is an alim. Former slave, be it as it was, an alim nevertheless. So when Umar ibn al-Khattab heard that, that he has left this man Ibn Abi Abza in charge, despite him being a former slave, because he was actually an alim so umar ibn al-khattab said to him laqad sami'ta qawla nabiyyika sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said you have certainly heard the statement of your prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inna allaha yarfa'u bi hadha al-kitabi aqwaman وَيَضَعُوا بِهِ That Allah raises by virtue of this book people And debases, lowers others because of it Meaning the ones who have knowledge of this book and practice it Then Allah raises those people Just like this man was a slave To the point now because of his knowledge of the religion has been raised in temporary charge of all of Mecca, Raised because of his knowledge of the book of Allah. In the other example we mentioned last time too. The story of Muhammad ibn Abdirrahman al-Auqas. Muhammad ibn Abdirrahman al-Auqas. Centuries ago. Was a man. Who was born with physical disability Physical deformity It is mentioned that when this Muhammad Ibn Abdurrahman al al-Awqas, From several centuries ago When he was born He was born practically without a neck His head was basically into his chest In his shoulders No neck, just the way he was born His head right down onto his chest. And that his shoulders would stick out from the sides. His shoulders would be sticking out and his head was right into his chest. That's the way he was born. With that physical deformity. So when he was young, everybody used to make jokes out of him. All of the other kids used to laugh at him because of his physical deformity. It's mentioned on one occasion, he was walking down the street and he was making the du'a. The du'a that is mentioned in the sunnah, in the phrasing, in the terminology it says, Oh Allah, free our necks from the fire. So he was making this du'a and it's mentioned that a woman walking by, she said, Ya Am, perhaps literally my uncle's son, so his cousin, She said to him, and what neck do you have in the first place? Mocking him. Mockery. So then his mother said to him, His mother said to him, My son, wherever you go, you are always going to be the joke. You're going to be the one everybody makes the jokes out of. You're going to be the one whom everybody laughs at the expense of. So upon you, bil'ilm. upon you is to seek knowledge. So Muhammad ibn Abd rahman he says, the words of my mother impacted upon me. So I began seeking knowledge. It's mentioned in his biography when he grew up. He had sought knowledge all his life. He became an alim. He was appointed as the judge in Makkah. As a judge, a supreme judge in Makkah. So when he was appointed as one of the senior judges of Makkah, it's mentioned when people would walk into his courtroom, the one accused and the accuser, they would walk in, seeing the judge is muhammad ibn abd rahman physically still with his deformity but now they knew who he was and what knowledge he had they would walk in it says trembling in front of him trembling in front of muhammad ibn abd rahman al-awqas whereas years earlier Those very people were making jokes out of him Laughing at his expense Now Allah raised him to such a level The people they don't joke out of him They tremble when they see him And that is by virtue of the knowledge That he gained By virtue of the knowledge That he sought So these are examples Highlighting again The virtue of that knowledge And how it raises a person So we need to focus and to remember And to think about these types of narrations. Knowledge isn't something that you do in your spare time Knowledge isn't something you do Now and again when you can find the time Turn up to the class whenever you can be bothered Turn up every now and again when you can, find time to squeeze it in. Knowledge is something which is the priority. It's not a case of I'll attend the class if I can squeeze it in this week with everything else. It should be a case of I am attending the class and I'll see if I can squeeze the other things in with it. The other things are the ones that you need to try and squeeze in. Not the class. The class is your priority. Everything else is secondary that you squeeze in. Not that everything else is your priority and the class is the secondary thing you'll try and squeeze in. These classes, this knowledge that you are gaining, the books that you read, the lessons you learn, all of this is knowledge teaching you how to fulfill the purpose of your existence. It is teaching you so that you do not live your lives as Muslims by name only. So who would want to make learning about how to fulfill the purpose of the existence as a secondary matter in your life? That would not make sense. It is upon every believer to strive with this knowledge. You imagine as time goes by, days go by and weeks go by, months go by and years go by, the black hairs, they start becoming white. And what have you done and how have you improved from the years gone by when the hairs were still black? What have you done? Have you improved in your knowledge? Have you learnt more Quran? Have you memorized any more hadith? Have you gained an understanding of more books and principles? Or are you at the same place you were 10 years ago? No better in your knowledge in reality. Not memorized anything more, nothing to show for it. Then those days and years, they continue to pass. They do not stop. And what will be your situation and your state when the latter days they come? What will you have to pass on to your children? What will you have to pass on to your grandchildren? What will you have in terms of implementing? قُوْ أَنفُسَكُمْ ahlikum nara? Protect yourselves and your families from the fire. On that day, the criteria will be... The people of Tawheed and the people of Shirk. The people of Paradise and the people of Hellfire. So do not expect you will walk into Paradise... And you have done nothing to strive... For that Paradise in this world... That you have not realized... Your objective here isn't the world, it is the hereafter, hence the Prophet ﷺ said كُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غريب أو عابر سبيل. Be in this world as though you are a stranger or a passer-by, not in this world as though you're gonna be here forever Not chasing after the glitters of the world and the wealth of the world. That money it comes and goes. That wealth comes and goes. And no matter what you amass, none of it will go with you in a grave. None of it will go with you in your grave. That's why Sheikh Bin Baz, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, they used to say to him, And one time it's mentioned in his biography, his kids. They said to the Sheikh, to Sheikh Bin Baz, to their father, that, oh, father, your home, he was blind himself, of course, as Sheikh Bin Baz. They said, oh, father, the sofas have become extremely worn out. And we need to get some new ones. We should get some new ones for your home. Extremely worn out. The sheikh refused. He said, what for? The sofas, you can sit on them. They are sitable. Worn out, not worn out. What difference does it make? In another example, the same as this, they said to him, sheikh, because he used to work as the mufti, or he was the mufti of Saudi Arabia, and he worked in the University of Medina, they used to get a company car. And they would give a company car every couple of years or so. So it came time to renew the car for the sheikh. They said, there's a new company car you can get. They're going to give you a new one. Which one do you want? The sheikh said to them, just give me anything, these Chevrolets or something. A Chevrolet in Saudi Arabia, those American cars, is your equivalent of the cheap and rubbish kind of cars. It's a cheap, low-quality, rubbish kind of car. So they said, Shaykh, but a Chevrolet? We can get you something higher class, more comfortable, more luxurious, this, that, the other. The Shaykh said to them, what difference does it make? When we die, we're not going to take the cars into our graves. Luxury, no luxury. You give me a simple car, it doesn't make a difference, we're not going to take any of it into our graves when we die. So a person strives after the. Glitters of this world, the wealth and the money of this world, none of that will go with you in the afterlife. All that will go with you is the actions that you did based upon the knowledge that you had, because that is what it is: al-'ilmun nafi wal-'amalu salih, beneficial knowledge and righteous actions. Every Salafi. Should be at the forefront of gaining knowledge. Ahlus Sunnah should be at the forefront when it comes to knowledge. It should not be that the people of innovation, they produce 20 hafidh every year. And the people of innovation, they sit there and they memorize Al-Bukhari or whatever it be. Ahlus Sunnah should be at the forefront of this knowledge. Of understanding the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So take heed. This knowledge it is not for the benefit of anybody else. It is not for the benefit of other people that you come. Primarily it is your own benefit to start with. Then after that the benefit of your families and the people you can benefit. You're coming to gain that knowledge for yourself as one of the objectives. In order to improve yourself in your worship, it is not to help anybody else here with anything else. It is not for the benefit of this person or that person. It is not for the benefit of the teacher. Makes no difference here. We used to have classes here years ago. One time I remember I came and there was one, one, one Manchester brother turned up and sat down. One, imagine, one, not two, not even three, one. One brother came and he was sat down and then there were three who came from outside. Alhamdulillah. Three came from outside from another town, so we ended up with four. One from this town itself on that occasion. Makes no difference. Makes no difference to the mosque to the teacher, to anybody else. You are coming for this knowledge for yourself. You're coming to learn, to benefit yourself, to benefit your families, to benefit your children, benefit your communities. Doesn't make any difference to anybody else. We're not here as Al-Maghrib selling tickets. There's no cut for me. There's no cut for the mosque. There's nothing. There is no benefit, no objective makes no difference whatsoever. You attend for your own purpose and your own good. You attend for the knowledge you gain to benefit yourselves and your families. So that is something we need to strive with. Not just yourselves, aid and encourage your friends and families. Encourage people that you know, friends, families, neighbors, bring them in, attend the classes, and who knows, Perhaps a person comes and he sees what he sees And he has not seen anything like that before Comes and attends and he hears the ayat of the Quran He hears the ahadith from the sunnah And perhaps that impacts upon his heart And he begins practicing And so after that Insha'Allah, ta'ala You continue to keep getting the reward Of the goodness that he does based upon the narration we mentioned earlier So do not be miserly Open up in trying to bring the friends, the families, the neighbors No matter what they may be upon Encourage them to come and to sit and to learn And perhaps some of them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up their hearts to this knowledge Opens up their hearts to this religion Do not think there's no chance with this person, there's no chance with that person. The Prophet ﷺ carried on giving da'wah to his uncle Abu Talib to the deathbed. And the example of that Jewish boy, that Jewish boy who used to help the Prophet ﷺ, and then he became ill, and he was about to die, the Prophet went to visit him, on his deathbed told him, say, La ilaha illallah. So the Jewish boy looked at his father because he was worried. Jewish father, what's he going to say to me? Is he going to let me? He looked at his father. And the Jewish man, his father said to him, Ata'a Abul Qasim. Obey Abul Qasim. The Prophet Muhammad s.a.w. So he accepted and died upon Tawheed at the last moment. So don't lose hope. Friends, family, neighbors, encourage them. But primarily the point of this encourage yourselves and make sure that you're coming regularly consistently to gain this knowledge to listen to the speech of the scholars and their explanations as we're doing right now the explanation of a shaykh alayhi rahimahullah ta'ala and do not be influenced by those who do not attend those who do not attend And they cannot be bothered to attend or they have other problems and they do not attend Then do not be influenced by them rather you need to be the ones influencing them Do not be influenced by those who do not attend You need to influence them to attend Masakin Those who deprive themselves of these gatherings Gatherings of knowledge, gatherings of Qur'an, gatherings of sunnah, gatherings listening to the statements of the salaf, hearing and reading the explanations of the ulama, the warathatul anbiya, the inheritors of the prophets, those who deprive themselves of that with whatever justification they think they have, whatever justifications they make, then that is an issue for themselves to deal with. And that is deprivation for themselves Do not be influenced by them Rather encourage them to attend So the purpose tonight was basically that Reminder that is required every now and again A reminder that is useful and beneficial every now and again And it had been several months since we did the last one So tonight the purpose along with the Birmingham conference It was an appropriate time now To rejuvenate our efforts And to get the mentality fixed up again If we were becoming lazy or slack And to remember the path is long The path to knowledge is long Knowledge is not gained overnight or one or two days It requires week in, week out, for months, for years, all your life to the day you die, and you will not have gained all of the knowledge. So strive with that, fix the mentality, the focus for the classes and the lessons, recognizing that you are fulfilling the purpose of your existence in learning this knowledge. And without this knowledge, you are not able to fulfill the purpose of your very existence. So, we'll conclude upon that for tonight. And from next week, inshallah ta'ala, we'll resume then where we were in Kitab-u Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari, inshallah ta'ala, the same time after Isha. ala <coughs>